Hey, hey, welcome back everyone to another broadcast of In the Trenches. I'm your host, Tom Morcus, and today I sit down with Manny Vea, the founder of 2000books.com. 2000books.com provides book summaries for entrepreneurs, and it was something that Manny bootstrapped after leaving the corporate sector, and he's been able to grow it into a profitable and cash-flowing business. And what he does basically is summarize cutting-edge books on business and entrepreneurship and marketing and uh, self-help and, and books like that, and sells them in packages and in bundles and subscriptions. So a simple concept, but executed very well. So we talk a little bit about that in today's conversation, but my big takeaway is actually our focus more on just reading and reading comprehension, the value of reading books, how to actually read books more effectively. So we kind of went into that territory because I've always been fascinated by that as well. These, uh, these concepts around speed reading or um, improving your reading comprehension so you can learn more, more quickly, right? Because then you can get more done. You can be more successful if you are able to process more things more quickly, right? If you have the right information. So we actually got into that and we kind of break down and share a few ways that you can improve your reading comprehension on today's call, a few key takeaways. So this will actually be a little bit of a different conversation than you might be used to, but my hope is that uh, it'll still be just as practical as ever and, and maybe even more so because these lessons are something I think you can start applying right now to the books you're reading or anything you're trying to kind of improve your comprehension around. So listen, take some notes, and then try it out and let me know if you do. I'd love to hear how it went. I'm starting to implement these techniques myself and I'm enjoying the process. It does seem like it actually works. So that's pretty cool. All right. Well, enough about that. Let's get to today's conversation. Hey, so Manny, can you give us some context of what, what led you to what you're doing today and how you started 2000books.com? And, and we'll get, get into kind of how you're, you're growing that and building it. But I'm kind of curious, like what inspired this business and how'd you get started with it? Yeah. So as you might know a little bit, Tom, I used to be an engineer. I used to be a computer engineer. Uh, I used to be a physics major long before that. So I spent around 12 years, 13 years in the technology industry, in the high tech industry, arising from the ranks of writing software code for DVD firmware, DVD player firmware, all the way to managing billion dollars cell phone projects at a Fortune 100 tech giant that most people know about. Uh, we used to make chips for the biggest cell phone manufacturers in the world. So I did that for a long time. But as I was going through my career, I realized that I wasn't getting the same joy out of it as I got out of learning and reading and spending time uh, growing myself, improving myself. And the more I did that, the more I spent time reading and learning and growing myself, the more I realized technology was just not... Um, where my heart was at was anymore. I wanted to build my own business. I wanted to build my own thing around this idea. And somewhere during the journey of my technology career, I had come across the book, The 4-Hour Workweek, which kind of talked about an alternative business model to what I had always thought was the business model, which was going to be another tech startup. So I was like, okay, I'm going to leave my job to start another tech startup. But when I read The 4-Hour Workweek, I kind of it opened up my mind to what was possible in terms of building a business. So I kind of married my passion to the idea of building a business, married the idea of learning from books and reading books and enjoying that process to building a business around it. And I came across quite a few book summary sites in the process of loving to read books. And I found that none of them were 
as engaging and fun to listen to. They were just raw, uh, almost like uh, they felt like uh, someone was just reading out a bunch of sentences that someone else had written out and there was no passion behind it. There was no emotion behind it. They were just not fun enough. So I said, well, I, I want to do something my way. And that's how uh, 2000 Books kind of started four years ago. And did you start selling books like right away? Was that always part of it? Or, or talk me through that as you kind of like got it off the ground. Selling book summaries, you mean? Um, yeah. No. So initially, my my big grand vision was to be able to have authors sell courses through our platform. And of course, that's still part of the vision more in the longer term. But as I explored that business model, what I found was that it would need a lot more audience to have already been there to me to to being able to do that. So I started doing these summaries and putting them up on YouTube and then interviewing these authors to build my podcast. And as I did that, what I found from a lot of people was that they, they would keep coming back to saying, hey, I liked your interview with the author, but I actually like your summaries even better than the interview with the author. So that triggered me to you know, around six, seven months into the business. That was like, okay, well, maybe I should sell my own summaries. And that's how that side of the business kind of started. So initially, my plan wasn't to sell summaries as I thought they would be. I, I was thinking more of like getting the authors to do it. Um, but the business evolved in a way that I hadn't anticipated. Do you, uh, this is a random, strange question. I just thought of this, but because I have had people ask me questions about this kind of stuff. So doing summaries, do you, just from an administrative kind of uh, legal standpoint or anything like that, you don't run into any issues, right? Like kind of summarizing and then selling this kind of content, right? So that's a great question. What we have actually found is that the authors now come to me. The authors and the publishers constantly come to us to get their books on our platforms. So what is happening is the authors want the publicity that we have because our platform is bigger than most authors and most publishers that are out there. So the authors want to be interviewed. The authors want their books to be summarized. They will like, we'll constantly get requests from authors to, hey, can you do a summary of the book just like you did that book on your YouTube channel or that book on Amazon or anything like that? So it's, the tables are kind of turning that way. It's interesting. We've, we've, we're helping the authors market their books. That's what's happening. Yeah, totally. Okay. And, and I just want to make sure because I've had so many conversations about people uh, or with people about topics like copyright, um, uh, trademarks, those kind of things. And also just like fair use and where that line is for stuff. And I know, hey, neither of us are lawyers, that kind of thing. But just like, I wanted to make sure that that was kind of clear for people listening. It's like, you can take a great idea like this. And it's like, you don't have to like create the thing from scratch. It's like, here's, here's an idea, like improve, improve things that are already there. Now that doesn't work in every context, but you've done it really well here. And I thought it was interesting, as you mentioned that like the stuff you saw out there was just not adequate. So you're like, well, I can do this better. I'm just going to do this better. And it sounds like slowly but surely that quality has built up over time or the, the uh, people have noticed the quality. And so now the, the impact of just kind of being focused, working hard, doing good work, authors come to you. I mean, I know there's a lot of in between there, but am, am I getting about the, the gist of it right? That's right. That's right. Like initially, the authors were skeptical. The publishers were skeptical. Of course, I had to go you know, get all the permissions and do all those things. Nowadays, it's much more like they volunteer their stuff to me. And I have to decline most of the requests for people's books to be reviewed or summarized because we only summarize the books that we like. I mean, I, if I don't like the book, that's not going to get summarized. So it's, uh, it's, it's kind of uh, a fun place to be at in this, you know, in the business today. But it wasn't where I started four years ago. 
Yeah. I want to, I want to know a little bit about how you, uh, how you summarize a book that'll lead into, I think like how we kind of, kind of come to understand and learn from books better, faster Uh, from a, from an admin standpoint for your business. I'm kind of curious. You said you turned down a lot of books right now. So I know you're, you're in heavily involved in the process when it comes to you, you say, you do find a book, whether it's solicit or not, or just find when you're like, I'm going to summarize this book. What's your process start to finish? How long does it take you? To go from oh, this is a book I want to read to summarize and, and produce and put all this stuff out there. What's your kind of what's your investment um, personally? Yeah, uh, personally, um, so I'm heavily involved with every aspect of the business when it comes to taking the knowledge and condensing the knowledge. Um, not so involved with the production aspect of it, uh, production and editing and all that stuff. But here's the way it takes me around. Depending on the size of the book, it'll take me around two to three hours to read or listen to the book. Um, and after that, taking notes on it and then using those notes to connect the ideas to other ideas. Um, when I'm taking notes, I'm actually doing very visual kind of, I, I use mind maps. I don't do uh, linear notes. So I'll, um, you know, we'll create these uh, visual mind maps, connect the ideas to other books, to other ideas that I've learned from other books in the same domain. And then I'll pick out maybe five of the ideas that really I think are really powerful, really important five to seven key ideas from the book and summarize that. So overall, a book summarization will usually take a day. And you sound like you actually have an approach to this. So maybe this will kind of get us into those insights. Like what what can help somebody who's reading a book or wants to get the most out of a book? How should they approach reading it and note-taking and learning from it? Right. You, you, you were like, it sounded like it's kind of, you're very systematic about it. And you've kind of probably even ingrain this in yourself and the work you guys do, but how do you then approach a book kind of new to it or saying, how do I get the most, most value out of this book? Maybe people are even going back to a book that they love. What would you recommend? Yeah. So the first, I mean, there's so many, so many steps that are involved with making sure that you read a book for maximum learning um, and to, to be able to absorb the ideas to the best of your ability. I'll start from the top. The first thing you want to do is to get a big picture overview of the book. And I feel like um, the way I would approach it initially, or the way if you don't have a summary, don't have an access to a summary of the book, you want to go to the book, you want to be able to look at the um, the cover and the headline, the, the chapters, the titles of the chapters, and go to the chapters, look at the paragraphs, look at the headlines, look at the sub headlines to get a big picture understanding of the book, even before you start reading the book. What you're trying to do is you're trying to create a map. You're trying to be able to see the forest from a 5,000, 10,000 feet view rather than just walking into a trail and then getting lost. Because most of us approach reading books like it's a linear process where you start reading and then you just read every word all the way to the end. But that can easily mean that you're just following the author's train of thought without actually being able to uh, look at the much bigger picture of what's going on in the book. So you want to start off by building a big picture vision of what the book is about, what the map is of this territory, and then go into those tracks as you start reading. So that's that's the first step. It's almost it's what I call pre-reading. And I think it's something that we've known in the reading domain for a while. Like you want to get a big picture overview. Now, what we do with the summaries is that it's almost like if you have access to my summary, you can use that summary to get all of that overview right off the bat. So that's step one. So so let me zoom in on that real quick. So that kind of pre-reading, like checking out the the outline, probably, you know, read in front and back of the book, get if it's physical, kind of getting a sense of that. But looking at the say table of contents to get that high level overview. Um, how like is that just like a few minutes? 
go through it? Or is there any, like anything you really have to, any additional things that you would have to invest into that process to make that, yeah, make sure probably it's a like, part one is good? Depending on uh, how involved you want to be with the book, between five to 10 minutes, you'll get a pretty good understanding of what the book is like and a, a pretty good overview of what might be coming your way in the book. So give it five to 10 minutes to look at the chapters, look at the headlines, the overview and all those things. And you're much better, much better prepared. You might as well even start mapping it out. Think of it, you know, creating a mind map and saying, okay, this is the core central concept. And these are the different concepts that this book is talking about. So you're, uh, you're almost creating a map in your head, which allows you to anticipate information that's coming at you rather than being drilled by it and feeling like you're just following a random route. Right. And now, but this also then there's, I guess, some, some differentiation here on this, at this front. Some people also write kind of crazy titles, uh, clever type stuff. Like, I don't know, I think Nassim Taleb is probably like that, where it's like, once you've read the chapter, then you get what the chapters of the chapter title is about. I don't, I might be pointing him out inappropriately, but I'm pretty sure he does do that where it's like, it'll be like, Oh, it's like, what does that even mean as a chapter? So in those, in that context, if somebody uses kind of more, the more clever, titling of things it doesn't matter or you just like read through it you kind of get the just you can and then move forward it'll be harder but what yeah. you can always do is maybe read the first few lines of the first chapter in this of the chapter and the chapter and the chapter and the chapter and you start to get a gist of it got it so they can only hide for so long before yeah, exactly. like you read the first line or the first paragraph of this chapter that chapter and now you actually see the whole book okay so what happens after this we get an overview and we, so we know what we're getting into. We start to kind of form that map, even if it's very nascent form. So what happens next? So the next step here is to, um, now you have to get into the reading of the book. Now, there's a lot of ideas on speed reading and a lot of people love the idea of speed reading. But uh, I, I think I want to be very clear that there is speed reading and there's comprehension and learning and acquiring wisdom. And they're all different things. What I mean by that is um, there's only so much you can improve just by speed reading. After that, there's a lot more involved with you being able to uh, comprehend those ideas and connect those ideas and share. So, so there's different stages of learning or different uh, depths of learning that you need to go through in order to really acquire the ideas from the book. So talking about reading in like to the first step in this process is the reading process or the listening process, whichever one you pick. Um, maybe we'll just go with reading right now because listening is a different game. It's a different domain for people, for when you're listening, you can use different techniques to go faster and uh, do a different kind of mapping. Um, one of the ways you can go faster with reading the book is you skim what's called skimming. Skimming means that you are reading the first sentence of the paragraph to understand what it's about and then deciding if the paragraph is actually worth reading. A lot of times what will happen is I'll enter a book and the guy will talk about, uh, this is why you need to do direct response marketing. And he'll give me story after story after story after story of this brand failed because of that, this brand failed. And I am already sold on the idea of direct response marketing. I don't need you to keep on explaining me why direct response marketing is important. Now I'm going to skim through that phase really quickly. Does that make sense? Yeah, that Rather does. Rather than just reading uh, all of that just because the author has written it, I'm going to be going much faster through that phase. So a lot of reading, actually, a lot of speed reading and speed learning will boil down to selectively reading things faster and selectively reading things slower. A book like Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, the great Stoic philosopher, uh, 
it's one of the greatest uh, personal development books or books on building mental toughness, but it's really um, hard read. I would not recommend anyone to try and speed read that book. It's just impossible to speed read that book. You want to take the time to, um, you're not going to skim the paragraphs. You're going to take each and every line and kind of let it sit with you. Let it think about it. Let it, let uh, those ideas kind of um, um, marinate in some ways. So there are different levels of reading you will use depending on how surface level that paragraph might be or how deep that paragraph might be. Does that make sense? And how, how do you typically uh, gauge that? Or, or what do you look for? What are the signals or triggers? Because I know it might be different. It's going to be different. The first me. sentence and the last sentence will give you a pretty good idea of what the paragraph is about. So the first mm. sentence is usually my trigger nowadays because I have, over time, I've become very attuned to what's coming in the book because of, you know, I've read over 1500 books at this time. So I know exactly what's happening at that time. So if that paragraph, I could see that that thing is actually not adding value because I already know that I've seen that, or that's something that is being repeated again, that I don't need to repeat because I'm, I'm not necessarily reading words anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm reading uh, sentences and ideas and paragraphs. And what I mean by that is individual words can take like the habit of reading individual words is a very slow uh, reading process. So when you are anticipating those ideas and when you're anticipating those concepts, then it's much easier to realize, okay, this sentence is leading to this idea and I, I don't need to, or this is not really useful for my, uh, for my understanding of this book. Do you, do you find yourself then uh, when you're doing one of these summers and this might be on the speed front. So if we're not, we're not focusing on say like really generating, like say deep wisdom by really reflecting on a passage, but what we're saying, let's, let's get through kind of this book quickly to figure out where the critical points are, the critical learning information is. Do you find that then when you do this, you are kind of like, you are effectively kind of like scanning the, the first, first and last sentence of paragraphs kind of quickly. And just like, as you go, you just kind of intuitively like stop or pause when you're like, Oh yeah, this is, this is something where I, I should read all these sentences Yeah. versus say like, kind of like, I think the typical speed reading is like go through every line quickly and you move your eyes really fast. And, but you're not really do, you're not suggesting that that's for sure. It's like, you're very strategic. Okay. So swap me through that. Yeah. So, so that's, that's a really good question by the way, Tom. Um, I think, um, when you're starting to speed read the the whole charm of speed reading is let's just go through the words really fast but as as we were talking about earlier reading is just level 1 then there's comprehension then there's learning and then there's wisdom right comprehension can be acquired you know cognitive cognitive processing of that information can be done relatively fast if you are able to go through those paragraphs like look at the first line of the paragraph and now you're able to see the idea inside the paragraph just from the first line you have a very good understanding of what this paragraph is going to be about so you quickly realize okay this is worth reading this is worth diving into or this is actually not worth diving into because I've read I've read this before I've seen this before um, this is not something that's adding to the value you you are reading with a very specific purpose you're reading with the purpose of okay I want to figure out um, if you if you are clear okay this is these are the key ideas I'm looking for in this book I don't need the author to try to convince me of this or that or the XYZ topics I don't need the author to take me down this journey or that journey I'm actually looking to learn this when you're clear on that, when you're clear on what you're going after, you can um, eliminate a lot of the distractions that the author has put in there. Because what happens is the author is writing the book for everyone. 
is they're writing the book for a large audience where people at different, let's say I'm reading a marketing book. I've read over 50 marketing books. If the author is still trying to explain to me the fundamentals, the A, B, C, and D of marketing, while I already know all of that stuff and I'm looking for uh, MNOP, then I'm going to skip through a lot of those things because as soon as I see that, I know what's, what's happening, what's coming. And I'm like, okay, this is not useful because I already know this or I've already seen this. I've already come across this before. I can move forward. I'm really curious on this front because I, I, I get that 100%. And I, I actually, and I believe I believe it, like that that's the truth. And yet I find when I read, and again, it is, it's one of these things where I just, I read the way I read. And typically when I read, um, with few exceptions, uh, I'm usually, I usually am reading every word. I can't kind of, I can't kind of, I can't help it. Even if it's like a business book, like I kind of, I kind of get sucked into the stories, even though I know it's like fluff to a degree, it's not like the, you know, core point, like the, the core point will be like this really simple thing or really specific thing. And then the, like the rest of the chapter or something like that will be like anecdotal case studies, those kind of things. And yet at the same time, I found that there's something to be said for, uh, and maybe this ties into comprehension, but like the, my ability to remember the importance of an idea by reading more thoroughly. And so that maybe that hint, maybe that just gets into the more like, oh, you know, trying to read to learn and, and, and for wisdom, maybe I am just naturally inclined to the deeper reading. My question for you is, do you feel like you can still get the value of a book? If the run through you do is, is what you just suggested, like where it's like, yeah, you could actually leave large chunks out and, you know, 80, 20 principle, you're going to get the 80% of you know the the relevant information or or the the twenty percent of the information that's most important that'll get you eighty percent of results you're going to be able to extract that does that question make sense yeah that makes sense so let me let me explain uh, explain and kind of guide you in this in this thinking uh, process here um, the way you want to think about reading is you never want to speed read everything it's selective so there are portions of the book that actually do not add value to my life anymore. Because I've seen those concepts before, I've seen those ideas before, I have seen those principles before, or the author is trying to convince me of something that I already know about, or the author is talking about stuff that actually is not adding any value to my life, or is not adding any value to my business. They're talking about a, a concept that is maybe very specific to a B2B business, which does not apply to my kind of business. So I'm going to go past that. So there are specific parts of the book that are very required for me to like read slowly in some ways. Very required. I don't know why I said that. But there are specific parts of the book that I really want to read slowly. But there are specific parts of the book I don't care. I'm going to go through them because they are not really useful for me. So the book's value is in the value it brings to you, not the total value in general. Mm. Yeah. Right. So I, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so I guess part of that is then it, it's got to be a learning process, like into like learning yourself as you go. So like, that's why I think these insights are actually really useful. So like, as somebody's listening to this and you know, the next, the, the book you're reading, consider this, like, just kind of think about these things, maybe, maybe even try to apply it because I think, I think part of this is now I've started to do it more where I am kind of like quote unquote speed reading, kind of what you suggested, but it's the same thing. It's like, I'll go through things. I'm like, ah, it's a story. I, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get the joke. I'm good. Um, and kind of move through things a little more quickly on the, on especially more technical books. 
mm-hmm. that are more like, oh, but, but then I still, um, I guess then that's the differentiation I'm making here. I guess on the, on the other front, if, if something is more philosophically inclined, say something like Marcus Aurelius's um, meditations, right? Yeah. It's like that kind of thing. I wonder if there's like, is, so maybe this is a slightly different question. Zoom in on a book like that. Is there, is there much utility to the extracting of the information or something like that? Even is, is the context of the book actually important to how you, how you ought to read it and, 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 and what you can extract from it? Because I almost think that that being more on the philosophical front, you know, I don't know if you get much of any value, if at all, if you were to kind of like quickly skim, because you might think, oh, I get it. I get the concept because he's probably not saying anything fundamentally that transformative because a lot of stoicism is kind of like, I don't know, maybe people hate me for saying this, but like kind of common sense, but like, but, but it's still really powerful. And it's powerful because when you meditate and think on it, then it helps influence your actions and the way you live. So I guess my, my question there, I guess is a slightly different take on the last one, which is, do you think there's certain types of books that, that the, the value is being read a particular way? And not, you know, and not other ways. I think I, that's what we started uh, that discussion with. I said, Marcus Aurelius's meditations is not something I read uh, very fast because it's almost impossible for me to read it very fast because it takes a long time for me to meditate on those ideas, to think about those ideas, to really understand those ideas for maybe, so there's just a new marketing book that comes out. Yes, there are some key concepts that are really awesome and new and path-breaking, but a lot of the concepts are the same, or productivity. I've summarized the 50 greatest books on productivity in one of our courses. Now, if there's a new productivity book that comes out, rarely will it have any amazing path-breaking concepts that will blow my mind. Maybe I'll find two or three or four or five key ideas in the book that are amazing, but most of them are rehashed because I've built that knowledge base on that topic. So there are four levels of reading. Uh, I just want to kind of explain that to, 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 exp- to kind of give a bigger picture. First level is elementary reading, where you're just trying to understand the material as it is. Next level is inspectional reading, where you're inspecting, you're maybe speed reading, you're trying to get a high level understanding, you're, uh, you know, you're. Um, maybe skimming through the paragraphs, you're trying to build a bigger picture understanding of that thing. The next level of reading is analytical reading, where you're analyzing the book and the idea, you're squeezing the juice out of the topic, you're going on the journey that author that the author wants you to go on. So most of us are actually in that phase of reading, the analytical reading, where we're analyzing the book, analyzing the idea, we're going on the journey and uh, kind of squeezing the juice out of the book. But the fourth level is what's called syntopical reading. What happens here is you're reading multiple books on a topic, let's say, or you've got a knowledge base from different books on the topic, and now you're creating your own framework, you're creating your own meta-level understanding of that idea, and you're fitting that book into your framework. So you're not letting the author take you inside and say, okay, this is the only framework that exists. Now you're creating a much bigger, much more meta-level framework so for example, when I was telling you like 50 greatest books on productivity, now when I look at a book on productivity, very quickly do I know where it fits in the grand scheme of productivity. So it doesn't, uh, it's not like I'm suddenly letting the author dictate exactly how I see productivity at this at this stage, right? So syntopical reading is much more of a creation of a meta level understanding of the topic where you're bringing in different books, different ideas, you're connecting different ideas, you're creating an interweb of connected ideas. It's a huge map where you can see where the pieces are rather than being led inside a forest by the author. What, what kind of reading is that called? It's called syntopical, S-Y-N 
syntopical. That's the highest level of reading that we do when, especially when we have um, uh, connections with uh, topics in that area, in the sense, let's say you're reading book on marketing, but um, I don't know, I'm sure you've read a ton of books on marketing. I've actually created lists of the top 10 books on marketing, top 10 books on building mental toughness, top 10 books on success mindset, top 10 books on productivity. I've created all those lists, right? So when you're, when you're looking at all these different kinds of, um, when you're looking at marketing books, there is a book called Permission Marketing, which talks about mostly how permission marketing works, what permission marketing is, as Seth, Seth Gordon explains. It's all about email marketing in some ways. But then there's a book called Launch by Jeff Walker, which shows you how to launch a product. And then there's another book called uh, maybe Expert Secrets by Russell Brunson, which shows you how to build your expert empire. All of those books are great books by themselves. But if you just read one of those books and said, okay, now I know marketing, you're seriously mistaken. What you need to do is as you read all of those books, now you create a framework. Now you create a big picture understanding of how business is really working and how different pieces of the marketing puzzle fit together. There is email marketing that you know you need to figure out. And there's another book on email marketing called Invisible Selling Machine by Ryan Dice that fits really precisely into, okay, this is how you do email marketing. But why you should do email marketing, that's permission marketing. But then you step back even further and you, you look at the four-hour work week and he talks about how you build a business based on uh, or an online business and that will use the fundamentals of permission marketing or invisible selling machine or the expert secrets or the dot-com secrets or the one-page marketing plan. So what I'm trying to say is all of these ideas come together. Now I'm now my framework of marketing is a much bigger framework of marketing than any of these books individually have created. Yeah, you know it's it's super fascinating because it's like you mentioned the syntopical. I don't know, I, maybe I've heard that in passing, but I just but it's fascinating. Um, and when I see what it is, and I realize that's actually how I read every book. And that's a problem though. And I realized like that was one of the things that was actually a problem was I would just naturally gravitate towards that kind of thinking, almost giving like the, um, what the, the downside to that, I think sometimes is, you know, in some cases given, you know, maybe the author more credit than credit is due uh, in some cases, cause I'm, I'm, I'm making all these connections where maybe may, they may or may not be justified. It's still a useful exercise for me to really understand it. But sometimes like, even if the person's not saying something special, I could be like, well, but that also holds true over here. This is connected to that over here. I typically do that. And now, now that I know it, I think I'll be able to identify and say, nope, slow down. I'm not going to get to that yet unless that's something I really need to get into and solve a problem for myself, maybe for my business. Is that, that typically how you approach it? Yeah. yeah. And not only that, I'm actually challenging the author's thoughts. Like yes, when I'm exactly. Reading, I'm not always in alignment just because the words are in print doesn't mean the author is right. Yeah, exactly. Right. And that, that's a syntopical, that's, that's at syntopical level because you have a much bigger frame of reference. You have a much more meta level understanding of the topic than just what the author is trying to profess in their limited uh, scope because any book by itself cannot be as uh, massive as your understanding of the topic after you've read enough and after you've learned enough of that. Any book will just, you know, kind of create another uh, node or two or three or four inside the big map that you already have. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Or maybe allow you to put the map, reconfigure the map, but it will never, you know, it will never be like where maybe it will be. Maybe there will be books that will change your way of thinking, but they will still fit in the framework that you've already created. They will still kind of redefine the framework, but there are still those nodes already exist in your mind now. Maybe you will reconfigure them. Maybe you'll move them around, but the map still is there. Yeah. And I would say, yeah, it's a, a book that could definitely transform. I think there's been a couple of books like that in my life that have really kind of transformed my thinking. But I think as you described it, it's not so much like a, uh, a, a, 
uh, zero to one type transformation. It was like the thought process was already there. It was just organized differently. And now this is kind of restructured. The, this is reorganized it for me. But that could be like a fundamental, uh, I think, shift. And so it's interesting to kind of hear that and think about that too. Like, what are you trying to extract from the book that you're trying to read? Like, what do you really want to get from this? Um, I, and I think it's also worth considering then too. Uh, and I know you, you know, Manny, you for a living, you do these book summaries. So this might be a tougher question, but one of the things I want to kind of ask or get your insights on too is like um, how you might, are there a stable of books you always come back to? Like this is a conversation I have with people who are writers, authors, just big readers. Um, oftentimes like there'll be like maybe a few or a couple that they'll just come back to again and again. Do you do that personally? And and again, um, I know you mentioned the the distinction between reading for wisdom and and and, and the other uh, you know, just, just reading, you know, speed reading or reading the, you know, to, to comprehend and these different, the nuances there, but in you personally, do you do anything like that? Um, do you recommend that people do something like that? Like, are there certain say types of books or foundational books that just kind of going back, reading them and, but still picking up new books, still taking in new ideas that maybe there's some kind of like, uh, I don't know, an approach to like learning and personal growth, from a reading standpoint, if that makes sense. Like there's some things you always come back to, other things you're always kind of trying new stuff. What are your thoughts on something like that? Yeah. So I have a, as you, as you said, I have a handful of stable, like a books, a handful of books that I really love to go back to again and again and again, just because they are somewhat fundamental to uh, how I, uh, they, um, these are books that have shaped my thinking in many ways before, um, you know, other books came and added to my thinking. And uh, what I did, um, one of the books is As a Man Think It by James Allen. I, I, I'm a fan of that book. Um, and there's a bunch of other books. And what I what I did was I actually created this uh, uh, this site called 10bestbooks.org, which is a bunch of lists of different books in different topics. So 10 best books on maybe productivity, 10 best books on on building mental toughness or 10 best books on marketing or 10 best books on entrepreneurship or 10 best books on um, for online business owners, 10 best books for podcasters, YouTubers. So, so I've created, cause I've read over a thousand, 1500 books at this time. So I've created those lists just to be like, okay, these are my go-to books whenever I'm looking to delve deeper in any of these topics, 10 best books on building your success mindset. And that's where maybe you are asking that question, 10 best self-help books, if that's what the question is and i'll give you my top three which is as a man think it think and grow rich and psycho cybernetics mm, good i've uh i've read all those i've read them all multiple times too so i would actually psycho cybernetics is not what i hear often but i thought that was just like outstanding <laughs> when i first read it <laughs> it is it is a very dense book in some ways it's not written for easy understanding it's like it's very it's kind of weird in the way it was written. I would also go to some of the old stoic philosophy um, mm. and depending on where I'm at in my life and what I'm going through, man's search for meaning is another one, especially when you're struggling. That's a book uh, that really kind of brings you back <laughs> into alignment. Um, yeah. So definitely those books have been very instrumental. What are your thoughts on... and? Uh, on, on book summaries themselves. Obviously, that's what you do. So we, we know there's going to be a bias to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway because I, I think it's, it's, it's fascinating to me. I think I still learn best uh, when I'm reading the book and I'm kind of going through it. Obviously, maybe doing more of that um, you know, deeper, deeper reading. But uh, what, uh, you know, can people effectively learn from one, a book, book summary? Like effectively learn from it, learn enough where they can implement it. Um, and then the second question was actually on audiobooks. 
and your thoughts on audiobooks and being able to, again, to learn from an audiobook versus say like a, a physical book or digital or just reading and using your eyes versus listen, using your ears. What are your thoughts on like, what is, yeah, what is that like in terms of learning as well? Is that better or worse? Uh, what are your thoughts? Sure. Two different questions. Um, yeah. Let me start off uh, with the audiobooks first. Um, okay. The name of the game is not so much reading as it is getting the information into your brain. Okay. Um, I love audiobooks for the reason that I can literally listen at 3x, three times the normal speed. Now, a lot of people, quote unquote, call it cheating or thinking that, oh, that's not fair, blah, blah, blah. I don't care, man. I am going to listen at 3x, but as soon as I come across an idea that that rattles my brain that I actually like, I'll pause, I'll bookmark it, I'll take notes. So even if I'm running, I'm listening to, let's say I was listening to um, the book Can't Hurt Me a while ago by David Coggins. I was running and he, he was talking about the accountability mirror. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, oh, this is good. So I, I, I paused it. I stopped running. I took notes in my Evernote and then I resumed my running. So I resumed listening to it at 3x. So what's the key here is to make sure you're getting that information, that learning. Whichever way you do it, I don't care. Whether you do it through um, the words that you're reading or the words you're listening. Uh, I think there's value in both. I am a fan of uh, physical books just because they give you a little more visual um, representation of the book. So it's easy to see where those ideas are, where the ideas are physically. So you can easily go back and forth on chapters and, you know, in pages, which you cannot do with audiobooks. But audiobooks still work. I mean, I've learned a shit ton just from audiobooks because I take, I'm a meticulous note taker. I don't just listen to a book. I'll never listen to a book if I cannot take notes on it. How do you typically do that? Do you have like a notepad and do you do something like that? What do you recommend? Evernote. So I'll be Evernote, listening to yeah. my, listening on my phone and whenever I come across a good idea, I'll pause and I'll take it, take the notes in my own words. And if I'm in the car, I'll pause and record the audio on my Evernote, record my own personal interpretation of the idea in audio. The worst is when I just have to bookmark it and let my employee go and transcribe that part of the, the 20 seconds or 30 seconds. The, it's the worst because the idea has become hazy after so long compared to me just writing it out right then and there. This is awesome. Any other last tips for somebody who's interested in the subject? Anything we didn't cover that you think is critical from reading, learning, um, you know, comprehension, or just like kind of improving yourself? Okay. So, so you asked about the, the second question you asked was the, the summaries. Yeah. Like, are summaries useful? Here's the way I look at summaries. A summary can never replace a book. I, I'm full on with that. I, if you go read a summary or watch my summary or listen to my podcast or watch my YouTube channel. If you do any of that and you come across a book, let's say can't hurt me. You, you listen to me talk about five big ideas from the book and you're like, man, I love this book. These ideas are awesome. I want to delve deeper. Well, yes, that's the key. The key is for the summary is going to expose you to new ideas, to new books, to new ways of thinking. It's going to make your syntopical reading a little simpler because you don't have to be reading all the 50 books on that topic, but you'll get the gist of some of these ideas of the maybe 250 greatest ideas on productivity or 300 greatest mental toughness strategy, whatever it is, you'll get a gist of those ideas. And now all you have to do is pick out which are the ones that really talk to you and go read more on those. So summaries are useful to the extent that you can get a much bigger, larger base of understanding in the same amount of time. But then you also want to go and do the due diligence on the ones that you like, the books, the ideas that speak to you the most. Awesome, Manny. This has been excellent. I really appreciate your insights on this, taking this approach to not only what you do with the book summaries, you know, business and what you're doing there, which I think is awesome, but you're 
level of like understanding comprehension, uh, even around this topic, I think is really fascinating. And I know I took a lot of stuff away from it. I'm going to be actually paying more attention to how I read moving forward. So thank you so much for sharing all this with us on In the Trenches. Where could people reach out to find you and connect with you? Absolutely, man. Thank you very much for having me, Tom. Uh, it's awesome to discuss this with you because I know you are a pretty dedicated reader. So you get this. Um, so different ways for people to connect. If you are listening to podcasts and if you love listening to podcasts, I have over around 200 episodes of just straight up book summaries in the personal development space, marketing, business building, entrepreneurship, all those things. You can find that by going to just searching for 2000 books the number 2000 books in your podcast app or go to 2000 bucks on books on the YouTube channel. And if you're interested in my personal list of the 10 best books in different niches, just go to 10bestbooks.org. It doesn't matter whether you use 10, the number or TEN. 10bestbooks.org. I have a list. I have various lists of the 10 best books in different areas in productivity, marketing, sales, entrepreneurship, online business, different areas. You can find the 10 best books there. And my business is 2000books.com in case you want to check it out. Awesome. We'll get it all hooked up in the show notes. Definitely check that out. I highly encourage it. Manny, thank you for being on In the Trenches. Hey, thanks very much for having me, Tom. This was a lot of fun. Are you trying to grow your online business, but struggling to get new customers consistently and predictably? Are you tired of working nonstop only to see your income plateau? Are you ready to step off the hustle hamster wheel, as I call it, and step onto a path of predictable profit that you can scale as much or as little? as you want. Don't worry, you're not alone. I've been there. When I first got started, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. So I started reading blogs and listening to podcasts by people I respected and wanted to learn from. I slowly but surely put their recommendations into practice. But because I wanted to do it all myself, maybe you, you're you something like that, right? You love to do, do it by yourself, learn through trial and error. Well, bottom line is it took forever. Results were unpredictable when I was first getting started. I wasn't sure where to spend my time, money, and energy. And shiny penny syndrome got the best of me on more than one occasion. For many entrepreneurs, the amount I sacrificed, working literally nonstop in some cases in my spare time, and 12 and 14-hour days routinely after going full-time, combined with the endless fog of war, aka that uncertainty that I had to deal with at all times because I was going it alone, I think that would have been enough for most entrepreneurs to throw in the towel. But I was persistent, focused, and I stayed humble. Day after day, I worked to grow the traffic to my website, increase my list of subscribers, and generate a healthy living for my eBooks, eCourses, and other digital products. At least that was the goal. But maybe more important than the work was that I paid attention to what I was doing, including what worked and what didn't. Eventually, I discovered a predictable pattern of growth. And so what I did was I just doubled down on those things, and I scrapped or sidelined the other things that weren't working so well. Finally, two years after resigning my commission, as a captain in the army and going full-time on my online business front with my blog, with my podcast, et cetera, I replaced my income with digital product income. Two years. And so if that's where it stopped, I would have been happy with it. I would have been happy with the results. I wouldn't have complained. I would have been very content just replacing my income. But the bottom line is it was so much work. I wanted to you know, see if it could go somewhere else, right? So I just kept doing what I was doing, but better, faster, and more effectively. Again, just kind of applying the same system that I discovered. Uh, from seeing these patterns emerge, right? So I implemented it, I kept doing it. And eventually replacing my income turned into doubling my income. And then that turned into a little bit more and a little bit more. But not just that, it afforded me the freedom to dictate my day and also choose the projects I want to work on, on the schedule and on the timeline I want, and to work with the people I want to work with. And to me, that's like a whole new level of freedom, especially coming from the military. 
it's something I've never really had that level of complete autonomy until I became my own boss. I started my own business. And until ultimately, until it became profitable enough for me to start to take a step back and actually reap the rewards of it, because it's not all just working, working, working. And I do believe it's hard work. And I'll always say that nothing about doing this stuff is easy. But at the same time, you've got to reap the rewards at some point and take some of that profit, uh, even if you're just reinvesting it into new assets and things like that. Bottom line is, it can't just be work, right? Entrepreneurship and business is about that result that occurs, the value you've created and the profit, that, that piece of value that you've captured, okay? And you want to be able to reap the rewards of that profit, of that value, that little sliver of value that you get to capture, that you get to net, right? You want to be able to take advantage of that. Otherwise, you know, the entrepreneurship game really does become just a grind. And, and for, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, unfortunately, it becomes meaningless and that's when they quit. Well, for me, I love this stuff. I really, truly do. I mean, it is my thing. And so that's why I didn't just stop where I was at. I've stayed committed to learning everything I can about all aspects of this online business world and this online marketing world. And I do this through real world application. In other words, I'm currently growing several online businesses and I'm always putting my ideas to the test in real time with my own money, with my own time and energy, oftentimes with employees, you know, a lot of some, some stuff more advanced, some stuff more simple, but you know, so varying levels of complexity and again, in different spaces, different niches. And I can say, you know, bottom line, I've always loved the startup hustle, but I got to say, it's nice to now be in a position where I can get big results with much less effort. Thanks to having built the foundation of my business the right way. And again, I did it all through trial and error, but I don't think that that's the way that everyone needs to do it. And in fact, looking back on it, if I had to redo it, I don't know if I would. It was so difficult to just go it alone and try to figure everything out by myself. So one of the things I've tried to do is give back with this podcast, with my blog, and with my newsletter. But maybe even more rewarding than any of this stuff, while I've enjoyed all of it, I think the thing that I'm enjoying the most, that I find most engaging and rewarding, is the premium business mastermind and coaching program I run called 100K Academy. Inside 100K Academy, I help ambitious entrepreneurs who are very driven and excited to be doing what they're doing. I help them grow their reach, their influence, and their profit using my proprietary marketing system. That's the same one I use to scale my own online businesses from zero to multiple six figures and beyond, and the same system I use to help my clients reach the New York Times, Wall Street Journal bestseller list, set Kickstarter funding records, and create viral product launches that have turned into predictable revenue streams. So lots and lots of case studies that you can find at tommorcus.com. If you're curious, just go to tommorcus.com slash about, and that'll get you started. Most importantly, this system is one that 100K Academy members and alumni have used to achieve tremendous results, like Alexa, who used it to have her most profitable year ever, or Tina, who used it to make five figures from a sales funnel that she can now replicate and scale, and that's exactly what she's doing, or Carrie, who made over $75,000 in just seven days. And the crazy part about his story was that his online business was actually a side hustle up until that first profitable launch, which he has then been able to grow and scale. And he subsequently quit his job following that very successful week. And I think that that has been just a game changer for Kerry and the life he's living and the work he gets to do and the impact he gets to make on the world because of the great work he's doing now, because he was able to figure out a system that would get him the targeted traffic, the subscribers, the sales to grow a profitable online business. Bottom line, if you want to grow your online business from six to seven figures, but you flatlined or you're struggling, or you just want to be told what to do and when to do it and in what order, right? And you want a system that is predictable and scalable, 
and isn't just you know another shiny penny, but actually will fit right into your business. It plugs in and is something that you can truly grow. I want you to go to tommorcus.com slash academy. That's tommorcus.com slash academy. Academy is spelled A-C-A-D-E-M-Y. Go to tommorcus.com slash academy, and you'll find a page on my website with more details about 100K Academy, the business mastermind coaching program I run, as well as instructions on what to do next. Again, that's tommorcus.com slash academy. And if you're serious about growing your reach, influence, and profit, just follow the instructions and we'll be in touch, okay? Again, tommorcus.com slash academy. Go ahead and head over there now. That's it for today. Stay frosty.